Scripture says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But what is the truth? And how do we gain that knowledge? The answer to these questions and more in today's edition of Faith with Father. Living Bread Radio presents Faith with Father, a program aimed at teaching today's culture the truth about the Catholic faith. And now here's your host, Tim Perry. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Faith with Father. I'm your host, Tim Perry, and with me today in studio is Father Don Fite, a retired priest of the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome, Father. Thanks, God. Bless you, Tim, for having me back again. Yep, it's great to have you again, Father. We're going to continue our discussion from the UCAT about what we believe as Catholics. And today we're going to cover uh, question 98, which asks, Did God will the death of his only son? And was Jesus' death part of God's plan? All right, Tim. I was praying Mass earlier today, and here's a little something that was in the preface prayer I used for a daily Mass. His death we celebrate in love. His resurrection we confess with a living faith. And his coming in glory, we await with uh, great hope. So, um, wavering hope. So, I thought that's going to summarize everything we're going to do this week. It's an exciting week. I'm glad everybody's listening. Um, it's all about the love of the God, of our dear God. Huh? So, uh, your first question you said is, does God will the death of his only son? Yes, he did. The youth cat, uh, catechism here says the violence of Jesus' death did not come about just because other people planned it. Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That's what St. Peter preached on Pentecost Day. So w- he did that. Uh, he was delivered up. God delivered up his son so we could have life despite our sin. So we would not die forever. The Father is the one who made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin himself, says St. Paul. And the magnitude of the sacrifice that God the Father asked of his Son corresponded, of course, to the great magnitude, really, of the obedience Jesus gave to his Father. As he said, Father, should I be saved from this hour? No, for this purpose I did come. So you can see that um, both uh, Father and Son willed this death for us. I like how you say it's it's God's love for us because I'm fond of saying that God loves us so much that he created us, and he loved us so much that he wanted us to spend eternity with him. Therefore, he sent his only son to die for our sins and save us and redeem us from our sins. Exactly. Yeah, he wanted to give us so much life with him. Huh? Uh, heaven was his dream for us from the very beginning. And uh, so uh, Jesus was willing at the Father's will to suffer everything we go through in terms of dying, our, in our despair, our sense of abandonment, our death. The Catechism says he's wanting to share with us everything that's, I guess we'd say, yucky and, and terrible, uh, so to show what love is all about. He would accept it all. Uh, so, but that is never his final word, is it? Uh, the, the death. Um, the final word is always what came after death, that he did it for us to live. And would it be fair to say, Father, that Jesus suffered more than any of us will ever have to suffer in our lifetime? Absolutely, because uh, as a human, and he wasn't a human person, but he had a human nature. And so he was capable of 
suffering even more than any of us could because his mind was so uh, intensely one with his body. I think that the, the physical and emotional and spiritual agony that we're, we're looking at here uh, is something that we can't even begin to grasp. Uh, he he was, uh, had a human nature, but it was a divine person who was suffering all that. Okay, good point, mm -hmm. Father. Well, a number of things happened at the Last Supper. Let's discuss a few of them. Uh, the washing of the feet, the founding of the priesthood, and the institution of the Eucharist. So question 99 asks, what happened at the Last Supper? Well, we know that those three things that you mentioned all happened, all because, again, of love. Uh, the first thing, uh, when you read in the, in the gospel, you read that uh, there was some disputes going on about who's the greatest here, who should sit closest to Jesus, all those kinds of things. <laughs> and St. John doesn't even get into that. He just says, Jesus came in and sat them down, interrupted the Passover meal, and said, fellas, <laughs> in so many words, uh, take off your sandals. <laughs> you know, I'm going to wash your feet. Uh, and we know that that washing of the feet was Jesus' way of saying, I am here to serve you. Uh, not that you should serve me, I'm here to serve you. But what I'm doing, I'm asking you to go now from this day forward and go and be servants. Huh? So that's why it's, it was so moving. Not that we haven't seen it before, but to see the Pope Francis a few a couple years ago on TV, you know, going even into a prison and washing the feet of prisoners. That was the first thing that happened at the Last Supper that continues to happen you know, in, in our lives. Not just when we wash feet, literally, uh, as some people have to do, like in nursing homes and caregivers for those they love, but every time we serve, we're, we're washing feet. Huh? And that s second thing, the most important thing that you mentioned, Tim, that he instituted the Holy Eucharist. Huh? How could there be more love than this? That, that he said, what I'm gonna do to, for you tomorrow, Take and eat now this bread. It's going to be broken for you. Take this cup. This, it is the precious chalice of my blood, which is going to be shed for you. So it's making present the very ultimate act of his love right there handed to them. Huh? And then to make sure that that Holy Eucharist was a gift that would perdure not just at the Last Supper, but right down to the last Mass that will ever be celebrated before Jesus comes in glory, he then said to those chosen apostles, who are the first priests, because he said this, now do this in memory of me. You know, at that moment, uh, he shared his high priesthood with them. And uh, what greater love can we have than, than priests who can give us the sacrifice? And you know, Father, that's why I always appreciate mm -hmm. all the priests uh, that we have here on Living Bread Radio. Mm -hmm. uh, not only that I get to know them, but I really appreciate the fact that you gave up a family success in business. You gave up everything to serve God and to serve me in the church by giving us the sacraments. And I want to thank you publicly for that, Father. Thank you, Tim. I really, uh, I really mean uh, that. On uh, behalf of all my brother priests, I'll say thank you. Cause, yeah, because with no priests, we have no sacraments, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Well, we have the baptism that could be given by a layperson. Huh? That's uh, true. But beyond that, you know, uh, yes, you're right. It takes the priests. Now, when it comes to the Eucharist, Father, a lot of uh, people, and maybe even some of our listeners, have trouble grasping this idea that the bread and the wine truly become the body and blood of our Lord. Because if, in fact, it is the body and blood of our Lord, and we receive that in, the, in Holy Communion and in the Eucharist, isn't that cannibalism? Aren't we, if it's literally his flesh, aren't we eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood? Well, we are 
we are doing that, but it's as Jesus is now, huh? uh, and he's in a glorified body, a glorified state after his uh, death and resurrection. So he's no longer in the human nature uh, that is uh, of this earth. It is still human, a very human nature that he has, but it's the glorified, as St. Paul says one time, he now has a, in the Corinthians, uh, he has a spiritual body. Huh? So it's truly Jesus' body, it's truly his blood, but it's in a spiritual nature, uh, a spiritual way of being. So not in a cannibalistic way. No, because when we say cannibal, we mean literally, you could put it under a microscope and you're gonna see uh, blood cells, you're gonna see the, um, the and, uh, we don't really, there, we don't, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing a little bit to myself because I'm thinking even some of those miracles that did happen uh, were, uh, remember that time in Italy where a priest was doubting uh, and the very blood of Christ that was in the cup. Um, Overflowed all over the altar. Yeah, and they have uh, linens, I guess, that I've read. I haven't seen it myself that they contain that. And I guess they've been able to look at that and at least they see they can compare. They always see the same DNA, so to speak, uh, of those mm -hmm. cells that it's, it's uh, in different miracles that have happened. So they're just a little tiny sign the Lord gives us again. This was me. This is me. Uh, and it's, it's not just somebody else's blood that you're looking at. It's mine. But, but you made a good point about uh, Jesus instituting the priesthood so that we can continue, even to this day, 2,000 years later, receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Because mm -hmm. at any time, there's like a half a million masses a day that go on. So mm -hmm. at any minute of any hour, there's a mass being celebrated somewhere. And by instituting the Eucharist the way that he did with the, the essentials, especially at that time, bread and wine were the essential mm -hmm. part of a diet. Now, throughout the world, all of us can partake in his body and blood and in his nature. And of course, when, it's right. When he said, this is for the many, uh, you know, uh, some people say, "Well, isn't for, isn't it for everybody?" Uh, and no, by the many, that's a Jewish expression. The many always meant everybody. Huh? It was just their way of saying it. And so mm -hmm. he did offer that gift, uh, his own body and blood, for everyone. Huh? It's it's meant for everyone. Not everyone chooses to accept it, but that's the sadness of that we know. Uh, we pray for the conversion of everyone. We hope every single person who's listening this morning, if they haven't yet surrendered their heart to this, say, dear Lord, I don't understand this, but I choose to believe you, Jesus. If you say it's your body and your blood, I believe. And uh, so the gift of priesthood is what makes that possible. The bishop didn't lay hands on me so I could work magic. No, he asked me to speak in Jesus' name. So every mass, like you say, around the world, when the priest says that, Jesus is always there. Mm -hmm. And he's, uh, he's always, it's the Father's gift to us, his own son given to him from his heart comes to my heart. And I take him into myself and he remains with me. Another point that uh, I've been asked before, it says in Peter, in uh, Peter's letters, he says that we're all priests. So how would I answer somebody that says, you know, it's not just the Catholic Church mm -hmm. that the priests have the authority to mm -hmm. uh, distribute the sacraments, in particular mm -hmm. the Eucharist and confession, but we're all priests. We can all do that. What, what would well, I, how, how should I, I answer, answer that? I would answer that by saying, Tim, that we're all priestly people by baptism. We share in, in Jesus' life, and so we are all priestly people, but only the apostles were invited to be around that initial Last Supper table 
where he said to them, do this in memory of me, wanting them to be apparently the, the ones who would preside at Eucharist. Uh, so, yes, you participate too, but it takes the priest to be the presider, the leader, in Jesus' name. It's in persona Christi is the Latin phrase. In the person of Christ, the priest is asked to do that. Mm -hmm. So how do we know that the priesthood continued on after that, even to this day? How would we uh, know through, that? Well, through the, uh, the the intent of the church to continue laying on hands, huh? uh, to pass on a gift that's received, the bishop gives to, as he did to me, uh, a gift that he had that came from Jesus. There's an unbreakable line of sharing uh, the ministry of the ordained priesthood. Uh -huh. and, uh, I want to say something, Tim, about to people who may have never been to Mass on Holy Thursday. Uh, I've always noticed how many Catholics do come to church on Good Friday, so few come on Holy Thursday in comparison. And I think if, a, if any of our listeners have never been to the Holy Thursday, Mass of the Last Supper, you've missed a beautiful ceremony, a beautiful liturgy that will touch your soul. So I invite them next year on Holy Thursday, be there at your parish, wherever you can be. Great. Well, that's a great point, Father. You've been listening to Father Don Fight as he helped us to better explain uh, God willing the death of his son and what happened at the Last Supper, in particular the institution of the priesthood and the institution of the Holy Eucharist. And we'd like to uh, ask for a blessing, Father, for uh, all our, all our center, uh, listeners. And may Almighty God bless each one of you today in the beautiful name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit may He descend upon you and remain with you all through this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And we have hundreds of past Faith with Father shows archived, and we're now podcasting all of the new shows. You can subscribe right on our website, livingbreadradio.com. Go to the Programming tab and click on Faith with Father. Until next time, may God bless you and yours. Bye for now. This has been... Faith with Father, a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. For an audio archive of this program, log on to livingbreadradio.com and click on Faith with Father. If you have a question or comment about today's program, email us at askfather at livingbreadradio.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Faith with Father.